Welcome to the Health Topic Talk Hey Doc. I'm Dr. Caleb Valdez, one of your co-hosts. This is Dr. Bridger Cutler. We are coming at you live from Lehigh, Utah with health-related topics from patients and listeners like you. Uh, we want to discuss a lot of the evidence-based research out there about your family's health, put that information and facts in your hands to make the best decisions you can. So with me is Dr. Bridger Cutler today. Have anything you want to mention to the nice people at home? Not not really. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're going to go over today is going to be a lot of, <clears throat> there will be some conjecture in here. Uh, we do have all the research. If we if we mention something, something like that, if you have a question, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to answer those questions. We'd love to send that research to you, to you and or kind of explain where our points are coming from. But we don't want to be too research heavy in this as we don't want you to fall asleep. We want to keep you involved. We want to try and bring this down to a, a level that everybody can understand. That's right. This is our first episode. So we're going to talk a little bit about what's going into this uh, podcast, this video series, uh, why we're doing this mostly. We want to put the information that's out there on the internet, that's in our heads and your doctor's heads, um, and some things that you might be wondering about for your family. We want to put that information in your hands to make the best decision for your health. We want this to be a dialogue where you can challenge and, and question different things um, and just really get into both sides of the argument. <clears throat> we are apologeticists for chiropractic. Not to say we're apologizing for our profession, we're actually in a branch of philosophy and logic that deals with rational arguments in favor of what we do, because we love what we do. We practice what we preach, and we want to talk to you, our audience, about that. So feel free to like and follow um, our practice page. We'll post our episodes here. Again, this is called Hey Doc. We'll be on Spotify and about 180 different platforms where you can listen, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, the video cast will be up on you know, streamers like YouTube and things like that. So we'd love for you to follow along. Uh, we won't have a lot of uh, visual content for you who are driving right now or listening to things while you're doing dishes or working out. Um, but some of these episodes might be worth checking out the video feed for that. So we want to know why you guys are listening. So let us know in the comments below. Shoot us a text or an email or uh, hit us up on Instagram. Um, we will be engaging there and future topics uh, will come from some of the common questions that we run into in, in practice. So today being our pilot episode, I want to interview my co-host here. This is Dr. Bridger Cutler. Uh, he has been practicing chiropractic for a couple years now and uh, has got a lot of great information about health and living healthy. So Dr. Cutler, um, you should also know that he is the former state champion wrestler for Utah at a 5A level. Um, so he knows what he's talking about when we're we're going into how the body moves and how to safely strengthen uh, and and do things like that. Just to kind of break the ice here, what do you love most about wrestling? What got you into that sport? About wrestling, um, I mean, my 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 best friend when I was little definitely got me into that sport. It was uh, it was that or basketball, and uh, he convinced me I was always small. And that kind of kind of fit more with what I was what I was into, and had a lot of rage. Had to put it somewhere. And I had some great coaches, uh, a lot of really good people in my community that that really helped push me into that. And and overall, I mean, just taught me a lot of different lessons, and really kind of spiked my love of fitness and health. Um, even though it was not a very healthy sport when I did it, um, I mean, I did a lot of things and I learned a lot of stuff that if I could go back now, I would completely change it. And that's, that's one of the things that I really want to get into on these podcasts is what things have I learned through my experience through years and years of going through all these things? How can I share it with you guys? How can I tell some high school kid out there who's trying to figure out, okay, I want to get bigger. I want to grow. Um, how do I do that? How do I, how do I more effectively do that? 
What would you be your your advice be to somebody like that that wants to, you know, obviously dialing in your nutrition, your sleep? Like, what what's the I mean, biggest yeah, piece of it's it's hard to 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 pin down one biggest thing. Um, and the the difficult thing when it comes to that is is like saying like what is the best? There is no best thing for every single person. But if I if I had to like gun to my head, if there was one thing that I had to say, it would be you need to sleep consistently. You need to sleep consistently. You need to eat consistently. And you eat enough. And honestly, those two big things are going to make you grow like crazy. Um, there's a big difference. I have, I have a little brother named Caleb uh, who, I mean, the kid slept and ate like crazy. And he's six foot three, six foot four. Um, grew like a like a sprout compared to the rest of us because he was very consistent about his sleeping. And he would take naps all the time in high school. When you are at that age, you are trying to grow. So your body's trying to grow. Body's trying to lay down all these different structures and all you got to do is just provide it that opportunity to do it. And in high school, I mean, I maybe slept six hours a night most of the time and then hardly ever napped. I was a night owl. So I'd be up till one o'clock in the morning, which is terrible because I didn't allow my hormones to actually balance out. I wasn't able to get my circadian rhythm down where it was supposed to be. Uh, so honestly, if it comes down to it, nutrition and nutrition and sleeping. And then, I mean, exercise is another big thing. I've, I've heard so many times and, and my mom was very scared that lifting at a young age was going to hurt me. It is not going to hurt me. I mean, yeah, granted, you go put a whole bunch of weight and you ego lift, you're going to get hurt no matter what. But young kids are going to recover very well. But also at that age, it is vital, absolutely vital that you stress the body in a way that's going to cause the adaptations that make you stronger. Because that's the time where your body is most able to adapt is when you're in that young phase, whether it's bone density, whether it's tissue strength, or it's muscle size, um, whatever things, whatever adaptations it is that you want, when you're in that age, that is the best time to do it. So knowing what you do now and looking back at kind of how you came up through wrestling, what what has kind of been the, the pivotal moment or the, what's shaped your philosophy on how you eat, train, sleep? What's your mantra or your focus now? Oh, 90, 10, 90% um, of the time I eat very clean. I, I follow very strict. I mean, when it comes to exercise, I love exercise. I do it a lot. Um, I follow a very, like a, a strict program with exercise, but I also know how to listen to my body. And that's where that 10% comes in. 9% of the time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pretty structured. I'm going to know what I'm going to eat. I'm going to know how much I'm going to eat of it. And I don't really track all my macros and stuff anymore. I have at different certain points, but it's it's gotten me to the point where I know when I pick up something, um, I roughly know, okay, this this how many calories I need. And I can listen to my body because I've, I've had years doing this. So it's always better to, I mean, people will tell you, listen to your body. You haven't been able to listen to your body up to that point. So then trying to tell you to listen to it, you have, you have no idea what to listen to. And so it's important that you start with some structure. And with that structure, you're able to learn and adapt. And that's where that 10% comes in, where I can say, okay, today I need a little bit more. Today, I'm just not feeling as great. I'm going to try and modify my workout if I need to, so that I'm allowing my body to adapt. And growing up, and especially in wrestling, it was hard work overall. Work harder, not smarter. And now I've very much changed to work smarter, not harder. I mean, I still want to work hard. I want to grind at the gym. I want to look like the hardest worker in there. But you don't have to kill yourself every day to make the adaptations that you want. Yeah. 
So, and you brought up a couple points there. I just kind of want to circle back on <clears throat> um, as far as like, there's this movement now for intuitive eating of just listening to your body and eating what you feel like you need to. How do you do that in a day and age where everybody's used to processed foods and empty calories? And I mean, can you really trust our, our, apostat our our greeland and our our emotions and everything what would you say to somebody who's such a good question right there because intuitive eating i mean i, I hear that word all the time it's it's such a catchphrase intuitively eat or intermittent fast but you have to yeah you have to realize that intuition is gained through experience like you don't just wake up one day and think oh i know how to do this thing like you think about like intuition in business when you have a business intuition, usually it's because you have experience, you've experienced things and you, you recognize and you understand what different things are going to, I don't know, have, have certain outcomes. And so you can, you can have that intuition of, okay, if I make this decision or I like this business, this is going to be successful. When it comes to eating, if you've eaten crap food your entire life, what do you think your body's going to want? Intuitively, your body's going to be like, I want cookies. And you're like, oh, well, intuitively, my body knows that it, it needs this. No, it doesn't because you've been giving it crap your entire life. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. All right. You can intuitively eat when you've given your body experience of what this is, what it feels like to feel good. How many of us have, have cut our diet down to five or six ingredients that we eat and then we, we modify it depending on season, something like that. How many of us have, have restricted our diet to where we're eating things that are easy for our body to process, to extract the nutrients from? And then our body can intuitively say, okay, I'm getting all the nutrients I need. This is what it feels like to be baseline. So many of us have never been baseline. Yeah. We, we don't understand what it means to be at that baseline level of health or to feel good. And so we have to establish that. And that's why we, we have meal plans and diet plans, stuff like that. Those are not supposed to be something that you, you have to utilize for your entire life. You should be on a diet your entire life. However, I hate the term diet. A diet just refers to what you eat. But like a, a really strict something like that, some people are going to have to be on a diet like that because honestly, they've beaten their body up to the point where it it needs it needs that it needs that structure, or else they're going to have autoimmune flare ups stuff like that because they really have developed all these bad habits and negative intuition towards what you're supposed to eat. Yeah, that makes sense. That's good. Any thoughts on? Uh like caloric deficit or intermittent fasting, things like that. Mm. Gut flora affect your cravings. I mean, I mean, I mean, there. greatly. And, and this is something that in the exercise physiology world, um, of course, there's, there's so many people that are going to fight over like, Oh, there's nothing that you can do to like really make your metabolism faster or something like that. No supplements going to help it. There's, I'm sorry, but it's, there's, there's always going to be things that are going to help your metabolism. And, but at the end of the day, calories are king. Calories in, calories out. Your, your body's like a bank account. If you if you want to lose weight, and it, it sounds like the negative aspect of a bank account, like you you put less put less calories in than you're burning. So if you burn more calories than you're eating, you're going to lose weight. If you that's the only way to lose weight. Yes, in essence, that's the only way. You have to eat less calories than you're burning. That's how you're going to lose weight. Overall, like that is, that's why we say calories are king, but are there ways to make your body more efficient at utilizing calories? Absolutely. Can we affect your body's cravings so that it's easier to eat in a caloric deficit? Absolutely. Can we adjust hormone levels through sleep, 
through regimen, through different recovery factors. Yeah, exercise. Cold exposure, sauna, exercise, all these different things that we can add in to spike that metabolism to make it so that you naturally burn more things without having to be exercise bulimic where you go and think, okay, I'm burning a thousand calories a day. That is not healthy. You should not be doing cardio because your whole goal is to burn calories. That's how you develop a really bad relationship with both exercise and food is having to, all right, I'm going to go burn a thousand calories in the gym so I can do this. Instead, look at it as your cardiovascular exercise, your cardio, that is to try and increase your cardiovascular capacity. Let's try to make your body healthier, which in essence is going to help your body to be more efficient at utilizing different things. It's going to make your body feel better. And there's so many different adaptations that come with that. Cool. How, how did that journey progress for you through wrestling and then going into higher education and, and now in your profession? How do you use that to benefit your patients or yourself? What's the application of all of that? I mean, all, all of it is, it's, it's so applicable to everything. And, and a lot of people that I've worked with, uh, when it comes to, to nutrition planning, we have to understand that I mean, one, one of the statements that, that I absolutely love is that food is medicine. Nutrition is medicine. That's the best medicine there is. If you, if you really come down to it and we look at where the majority of money in healthcare goes to in this country, it is to lifestyle diseases. We've created these lifestyle diseases by being sedentary, by eating garbage, processed food all the time, by, by focusing on these sugary drinks, stuff like that, that if we cut those things out, if we simplify our diet back down to the, the, the basics to just getting our, our protein, our carbohydrate, and our fats, and, and keeping that simple so our body can actually process and extract those nutrients from it, that's where we're really going to start making these, these changes to get back to health. And I think that's the big goal of why I got into the profession. And I know why you got into the profession is to optimize health and to understand what health is. Because healthcare, where it's at right now, is not... It's not health. It's not health. <laughs> it's it's disease care. We we live in a model where disease is what drives everything. Where we should be in a model where health drives everything. Where our goal is should be to get everybody back to a base level of health without the use of of AIDS if possible. And those AIDS I'm referring to are medications. So there are phenomenal supplements out there, natural supplements, stuff like that, that can help. And, and I'm a proponent of things like that to a point. I think anytime someone says that there's a magic pill for something, you should probably run away. And I think we we have this assumption that the food that we're eating is actually being digested and utilized the way that our food pyramid people, the FDA, have always told us it would be. Our soil is so deficient in so many minerals now that anything that we're producing here their goal is to grow it as fast as they can, as cheap as they can. And so a lot of these things don't have the mineral content or the vitamin, you know, content that they used to, you know, back yeah. in the day. So that's where I think supplementation comes in is I, I know a lot of people who want to get healthy food from their salads, but you can't eat enough salad nowadays to really do that well. I mean, is it hard to live healthy in America in 2023? It's become more difficult for sure. I mean, there's, there's no doubt it's become more difficult. But it's it's not impossible. And that's why supplements can be beneficial. Taking vitamins, minerals, stuff like that. Certain vitamins. There's certain vitamins where you're going to get plenty if you eat the right things. Because whole food sources are always going to be better. More bioavailable. Your body's going to be able to process it better. Extract all the nutrients out of it as opposed to taking a pill. I'm, I'm, I'm much more of a fan. If you can find it in food form, it's probably going to be 
more easy for your body to, to utilize it. And um, I wanted to go back to kind of that practitioner thing. We talked about a little about healthcare. I know you mentioned something to me the other day. You talked about how calling someone a healthcare provider. Yeah. Explain your views on that. Too. I'm still developing those views. And uh, this was uh, Dr. Nate Riley that kind of brought this up in a really loving but chiding kind of way. He says, you know, why why are we in the habit of calling our – he's an OBGYN by trade. And, and he says, why do we call them our birth providers or our medical providers or our health providers? Provider really just puts this relationship between me and my health is going through this person. And I never thought about the language that we use that way, that specifically, but I'm pretty passionate about that because I don't want anybody to look at me as their provider, their chiropractic provider, even. Um, I'm a practitioner, I guess, because I'm practicing chiropractic. I don't do chiropractic. Uh, I practice it because I'm getting better at it, but nobody really does medicine. We don't do OBGYN. We, we practice it, you know, and I think that verbiage is a really good way. I think a lot of doctors would start to think of themselves as a little bit less than God if they would start using language like that to be like, hey, I'm not providing you with health or I, you know, I might provide some counsel or something, but that's what you pay me for. But there's no relation between me and my health that requires me to go through any other person or source. And I mean, that's kind of the revolution that I'm going through in my head right now. What yeah, I had some thoughts about that today, actually. Yeah. And, and that's where I, I really like the 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 term practitioner and you mentioned that hmm. healthcare practitioner we haven't even talked about this so. yeah i know um so a healthcare practitioner if and that's that's where it comes down to like one of my favorite mantras is practicing what you preach practice what you preach as healthcare practitioners we should practice what we preach that's what a practitioner does a practitioner practices that and by example we're able to show i mean and this kind of gets into a conversation that him and I have, have had several times is you, you look at how big social media has become. We have so many people on social media that people want to listen to, um, fitness models, influencers, stuff like that. People who don't have the education that maybe a doctor does, but yet seem to know more or, or at least demonstrate more because they practice it. Yeah. They practice health. They aren't stuck on, well, I have this many degrees. I was in school for this long. Great. So you have all this information. What have you done with it? Do you know how to, do you know how to be healthy? Are you healthy yourself? Do you get the proper amount of sleep? Do you eat the right foods? Um, if I came to you and I said, these are the vitamins I'm taking, would you be able to analyze that and say, Hey, like you're probably, you don't need to take this one. If you are fine with that. Um, we can look at blood panels all day and say, okay, these are the recommendations I have. Great. What's, what's, what are your, what are your blood panels look like? And they're bio-individual. They're based yes. on everybody. And so just because some geek in a lab put this number on a blood test doesn't mean that that's always what I expect everybody to be, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the that's a blessing in our profession is we, we can help the body optimize even if it's off of normal, you know, quote unquote, for what they what they say. I also, going back to that, I, I love the idea of practicing what you preach because it doesn't mean that you're perfect at it. You're yeah. still getting better. You're still trying. Um, I don't... I don't particularly like the phrase like walk the walk because we're not walking here. This is, this is a lot more involved, but practicing what I preach is saying, okay, I'm trying this out. I'm going to dial this in. I'm going to try this a different way. I don't have all the answers yet, but I have a lot more than, you know, the person at the corner that, you know, is trying to sell me a pill. So 
Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. I agree. I agree completely. There. Cool. I like that idea. And yeah, there are a lot of, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of influencers and things like that. Actually today I had a patient came in, uh, was needing some, some help with something that was just a little bit more than I, I was capable of, of helping him with at that time. I told him, Oh, you got to talk to Dr. Cutler. And he was like, well, who is this guy? You know, it's your typical like referral conversation. Like, do you trust him? And I said, well, yeah, he's been my chiropractor for years. So he says, well, does he like, does he look like he knows what he's talking about? I said, well, you should meet him, find out. And, you know, patient walked in, met this guy, and he was instantly all ears for whatever Dr. Cutler had to say because he's practicing what he preaches. There's other docs that are out there and influencers and I'm sorry, but if a 20 something year old is giving you life advice on a happy marriage or, you know, stocks and options trading and stuff, I'm very skeptical of that because they're probably living on borrowed money or, you know, inherited money or something like that. But, or maybe they're very successful. Maybe maybe they are. And and that's those people that you need to search the people that, that are able to, that live the life. I mean, you don't get advice on how to be rich from a, from a poor person. Yes. You get advice from how to be rich by a rich person. If your doctor is winded walking in the room to sit down and talk to you, I'm very suspicious of anything else. Run out. Run away. (laughs) How often is that the case? Where and there's some. I'm not saying that there aren't brilliant people who aren't who aren't healthy. Absolutely, there are. It's just it's a lot easier to listen to and to be involved and excited to take the advice of someone who who looks. And not just looks, but but can have that knowledge to back it up and that experience to back it up. Yeah, that's very true. So how would you define health, wellness? You know, we've been throwing a lot of these terms around, like what we all assume that we all know what we're talking about, but really it's it's a bigger conversation uh, and everybody defines it a little bit differently. But how healthy is like how high is up? At what point am I healthy enough that I've achieved health? And that might be different in my mind because I'm not going to lift what you do. But I'm happy if I'm making progress that way. Yeah, I mean, health health is it, it is a very different thing. And I think it comes down to your goals. What are your goals? And what is healthy to you? I mean, it has to come down to that individuality. Like my goals right now, um, I mean, just putting it out there, like I want to be about like I have I have very set goals for a body weight, for a fat percentage, for a body fat percentage that I'm working towards. I've I've been working on stuff like that my entire life. I've always worked through goals of like this is what I'm going for. And sometimes I've confounded those because I try to reach way too many goals at the same time. And so I make almost no headway or it just becomes very slow. So for you, your goal may just be, okay, when I'm 40 or when I'm when I'm 40 years old, I want to be able to run this this distance and be fine. Mm-hmm. or I want to be at this percent body fat. I want to be at a healthy percent body fat. And if we, if we put, we can put measurable values on there that, I mean, we have out there ideally in, in my opinion, um, for, for a man somewhere with 12 to 50% body fat and having, having a pretty solid amount of, of lean, lean body mass, lean muscle is, is key to health. I mean, there are direct correlations in the research between how, how long you live, how, functional your life is and how much lean body mass you have um so yeah you can be super skinny and still have a really not great uh mortality outlook because your body isn't able to to utilize those benefits to come from lean muscle mass so i mean making sure that you you have a balance in those different things is is super important but but find out what your goals are are your goals that you want to be able to run a certain distance for for a long time do you want to be able to lift your kids above your head and your grandkids above your head um and let's let's find out how we can get you that level of health, because 
there's levels to it. There's cardiovascular health. There's, I mean, strength health. There's, 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 di there's these different levels. There's mental health. There's, there's physiological health. There's psychological health. I mean, we, we have to recognize there's so many different aspects of this and we'll try to touch as many of these as we can. Um, but I mean, when it comes to like just physiological health, that's, that's a, I think that's where I, I feel like I'm most suited to, to really give advice. Uh, just because I think I've been able to dial mine, mine down pretty well and I'm not perfect by, by any means, but, um, I do feel like I have enough knowledge and experience and I've practiced it enough to where I can, I can give, um, advice on it. Yeah. And you've been training me for, I guess, a little over a year now and immediately I, I lost a bunch I was feeling better, working better, moving better, but I had never had metrics like that, the 12 to 15% body fat that you, you know, uh, mentioned. So there's a lot of uh, goals out there that I wasn't even aware I was going for with that health. And I think that's a big thing that practitioners can offer is usually your doctor will just say something about getting your cholesterol within their normal range or getting your weight under morbidly obese, you know, yeah. um, but they really don't lay out a roadmap of different milestones along that way. That's, that's Unless something's broken, you know, such a hard thing when it comes to, to the, the recommendations for health that we've been given through uh, like government organizations throughout there, whatever organization is that gives that health or that, that, that standard of, of what healthy is, is because, I mean, you can, you can get your, your levels done in that thing, but when it comes to like BMI, like BMI, I'm on the high end of BMI because I have a lot of lean body mass. Um, so I'm, I'm heavy for, for my height or certain point, points like that. And there could be someone who's, I mean, there's a lot of people who are my same height who are a lot thicker, have a lot more muscle than me. And so it's going to show them that they're, they're dangerously overweight, but it, they could be perfectly fine. Their levels could be totally fine and, and healthy for their body. Um, so you don't base it off BMI, obviously that's kind of an outdated, that's kind of a, in, in my opinion, it's an outdated measure. I think, I know that there's a lot of people that are feeling that way more, more and more now, um, with that. What, what other things do you gauge health on? I mean, we talk about look good, feel good, move well. You know? Absolutely. I think, and, and that's, that's kind of what it comes down to. Like if we're going to go over true, true health in, in certain parts of that is like mobility wise, it's not flexibility wise. It's can you take your body through a certain range of motion or through certain motions and not get hurt? Like, do you have the ability to sit on your heels? Do you have the ability to, to pick something up from the ground and not get hurt? How heavy is that thing? Do you have the ability to, to curb your back, to go in these weird positions and to be able to come back and be totally fine? Um, I think that's, that's one metric is that, that mobility. Do I have the mobility to function in my daily life? Mobility also implies stability. Yes. And when you don't want to move a certain way, your back doesn't move a certain way. Absolutely. So, and I think that's where a lot of people kind of forget that it's more than just flexibility. It's about mobilizing things the way you want to mobilize them. That's what mobility is. It's being able to move it the way and have control and stability in that way that you move it. Um, I mean, and then we come to cardiovascular health. VO2 max is a phenomenal I mean, phenomenal way for us to, to track that. There's a lot of different ways you can track VO2 max. Um, I mean, of course, the, the gold standard is going to be going in with a, like an exercise physiologist college, something like that, and testing your VO2 max on a, a VO2 max test. Uh, but there's a lot of submaximal VO2 tests that you can that you can do yourself. That you can just go look up online and you can do like tons of them with my um, with grad school, with, with my master's, as well as when I was an undergrad too. We had a whole bunch of tests like that. 
And I actually did a lot of the, the like maximal VO2 testing. And it's super interesting to, to see, okay, where's my cardiovascular health at? And then you can look at strength. Where is my strength levels at? And they can compare you to the norms. And we have to recognize that there is definitely going to be individuality between different things. And the norms kind of give us a little bit of a number. Um, but there, there's some great things by Andy Galpin, by, um, by Andrew Huberman, where, where they recommend certain levels of like, this is a good weight to be lifting. Because you have to have a standard. Yeah. Somewhere. And I mean... I, I could give you what my standards are for myself, but my standards for myself are going to be a lot different because I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. And so I know if I fall below like being able to squat a certain amount, being able to deadlift a certain amount or bench or, or whatever metric I have, how many pull-ups can I do? How, how fast can I run a mile? How, how do I feel? How do I recover? Um, there's a bunch of different aspects that run into that, but finding metrics that work for you and, and I can make a list and I can do an episode on, on like what metrics possibly you could look at and just kind of determine where, where am I deficient? Yeah. Which would be interesting. Well, you mentioned a lot of those standards that are out there and the research, there's so much information out there. The average person, you know, we get on Google and we just get inundated with a whole bunch of ideas and different, it's conflicting information. It's frustrating. And we kind of get stuck in the middle of two different ideas that are pretty opposed to each other. So how do you, you do a lot of literature review, um, kind of the think tank for this office in terms of like, here's what the research says, why are you doing uh, this? Certain certain parts. Parts. Yeah. Let's, let's not cut you out of that because yeah. uh, but but, maybe when it comes to the physiological things like the exercise, the nutrition, yeah. that's kind of where I find myself loving. So how do you gauge research. what you're learning is true, is evidence-based, you know, what what's your process for determining Oh, this is, this is such a... <clears throat> such a controversial topic because I mean, if there's, there's a lot more information coming out about certain things and you, you look at how much research is going into health and foods and what, what diets are best and things like that. Who's funding the research. First of all, I want to know who paid for this research to be done because there's bias there. There's going to be bias there. And a lot of times these research projects are, are going out to, to figure out something that we, we already know. And it's just trying to confound data. Because in essence, we have to be careful about where's, is this going to take away from some big business or is it, and, and realize we need to get back to, to what really was kind of the basis. And so when I, when I read through the things, first of all, I want to look for bias. Where's the bias of this? How, how reproducible is this study? Is it, is it high level evidence? Is it, is it low level evidence? And that's the hard thing is you have so many people who go out and they, they read the abstract of a research paper. And they're like, oh, well, this is what they concluded. Yeah? Is it what they concluded? Who was paying for that? Um, and is that actually what the data showed? How reliable is this data? How significant was it? Um, how many people that cite research papers have actually read a full research paper? You know, I actually found a statistic on that this weekend while I was putting together that safety post. Yes. Um, less than 1% of research that is cited in medical journals actually has a basis in clinical evidence trials like just because we're all citing each other and at this point it's such a big echo chamber it's this paper has cited this paper which cited this paper which cited this paper and they're all just citing each other but nobody's actually done the research for what they're all claiming i mean so perfect example throw alzheimer's out there yeah let's look at i mean we, oh, that we, blew my mind yes i mean you can go into more on that i think you have a little bit more knowledge on that but like explain 
the whole Alzheimer's thing that, that we just found out about. Yeah, well, we've always just had this idea that there's these beta amyloid plaques, these little protein structures that build up in the prefrontal cortex, the front part of our brain. And we've done all this research for decades of just, we find these pictures of, you know, brain scans of advanced Alzheimer's cases. We start, you know, digging down into what is causing this and we find these plaques. Well, turns out the lead researcher this entire time that was pushing this thing has his hand in all these different studies, fabricated those images, uh, literally photoshopped, cut and snipped different images to prove what he thought it was. And scientists and medical you know, authorities did what they do best and they cite each other and they take these pictures and they pass them around and they copy them and they put them in textbooks and journals and things like that. They're all very serious about reviewing it. Well, now 20, 30 years of Alzheimer's research and how many millions of dollars and millions of lives have gone down the drain because we've been basing it off of completely bogus science. And so we're kind of back at square one with a lot of that. There's another camp in the Alzheimer's research group that's very passionate about, it's kind of an inflammatory, it's an autoimmune response. It's a type three diabetes. Type three diabetes, yeah. So you get that inflammation going on and it's very apparent that there were two different camps. This guy kind of hijacked that one and we've been down the beta amyloid plaque road for so long we now have to course correct so so how do you avoid that from happening with the physiology research that, that it's we're doing? it's so difficult to to avoid something like that because there's the other thing is you you have different people who have this is their theory on things and i'm not going to reference any researchers or any people out there i could but but it's there are so people there are some people who are so set on what their theory of things is is that they are going to interpret and read research only according to their theory. Yes. And that's that's the hard thing is you can interpret results however you want to interpret them. And when you're in a sounding box, you're going to find the research that you're looking for that supports your theory. Yeah. And you're going to completely neglect anything that goes against your theory. Um, it's like saturated fat. I mean, that's that's one thing we won't talk too much about today. But for so long, we've been told that saturated fat is so terrible. But there's a lot more research that's coming out on on, I mean, it's a very stable fat, like coconut oil, phenomenal. Um, animal fats, uh, certain animal fats. Well, let's specify that <laughs> quality animal fats. Right. Um, or the fact know. that we've been blaming salt for what sugar has been doing all this. Exactly. Time. When it comes to to high blood pressure, and stuff, oh, be careful with your salt intake. Your kidneys are so efficient, but we're eating so much sugar that it's damaging our kidneys. We're creating these these. I mean pre-diabetic conditions in your body because you have to look at insulin, um, uh, ADH, all these different hormones that, that, that play into this role of, of modulating blood pressure, of modulating fluid content in the body, of modulating these, these different mineral levels like sodium, magnesium, potassium. And then you have sugar, which comes in and has all these different cascadal effects that we can go into in another episode. But when you, when you look at those different things, like We've been taught so long that it's a certain thing. Why? Why have been taught that? Yeah. No, that's definitely something to unpack in a in a future episode. I think that that would be be good. So cool. What kind of stuff are you reading, watching, listening to right now that's shaping this whole process for you? Oh, I mean, your information. I'm on. I I'm finishing a lot of stuff with uh, with masters and and everything with that. And so I'm reading a lot of stuff on on nutrition. I mean, on, on exercise. I always love to go into nutrition things. Of course, there are certain people I follow on Instagram and, and you can go check out like a page who I follow. Um, but there's certain people I follow on Instagram who I, I, 
I value a lot of things they say because I, I, I think there's a lot of truth behind what they're interpreting. Um, but then again, it's, it's an opinion thing. And there's, of course, going to be people who have a differing opinion, but it, it's the proof's in the pudding. What is this person that I'm, that I'm listening to look like? What does their lifestyle look like? Are they balanced? Are they, are they healthy by their metrics, by their goals? Are they, have they achieved their goals health-wise? Are they healthy to themselves? Absolutely. And I'm sorry, but if you're like healthy for me is being able to sit on the couch and do this, that's not healthy. No, you can't have that goal. Sorry. Just being able to get up and walk like that's, that's, I'm sorry, but for some people that may be a reasonable goal, but for the majority of people, absolutely not. Unless you're on the Glasgow coma scale. Yes. Sitting up. Like, come on, you can do better. You can do better. (laughs) Cool. What, what do you think is the biggest obstacle to health nowadays? Where, where are we getting off as a country? We were just talking about how many trillions of dollars we're spending and millions of people are still dying from things that we know full well how to treat. What, why is that happening? What's the biggest obstacle for that? I mean, this, this whole collection of, of different things. And that's, honestly, I think a lot of it comes down to nutrition. I think the, the biggest problem in this country is we do not focus on nutrition. We have, and we don't teach it. We don't teach it the correct way. You go to a nutrition class in, in junior high and high school, whatever it is, they're not going to teach you how to eat well. They got the food pyramid up. Maybe the food pyramid or the my plate. That's what they call it. Oh, now. that's that's the new yeah, yeah my, my plate or whatever. And and they prioritize carbohydrates and then these different things. And it's like okay, that is not and that can't be the same for everybody. Yeah. Let's that that brings us up a whole a whole new whole new conversation of different things is is bio bio individuality. Your genetics are going to be different. For me, I process carbohydrates very well, but it's it's not just genetics wise, because my mom, I mean, she doesn't process carbohydrates super great. Um, but she, your ancestors were boys, but, eating potatoes and yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what I, where I came from. But also, it's what I grew up on. So genetically, my body is so used to that enzymatically and, and gut flora wise, my body is used to processing very high levels, and I'm very active. My hormone levels are are at a pretty pretty solid state because I'm I exercise a lot. I, I have a balance in my exercise. I still do cardiovascular exercise. I do a lot of strength training. I do these, these high intensity things. I, I add these different things in. And so for me, I mean, eating 450 calories of, of, I mean, 450 grams of carbohydrates in a day is, is something that is going to help me reach my goals of, of, of building more lean muscle, being able to perform the way I want to in the gym. And are there other ways for me to perform those? Absolutely. Uh, but it just seems to be the way that my body functions the best that I'm, I'm able to maintain. And that's what you need to find. What, what can I maintain with that? Um, whereas with you, I know you function better with, with higher fats, your body processes fats very well. And so that can be something where you have to find that cable. Okay, how does my body function best? And there's great genetic testing out there. We do genetic testing at our clinic, um, where you can kind of see what genetic markers and, and how is their body kind of set up? How is their genetics? led them to function best or to draw the most nutrient, I don't know, availability out of different foods. Yeah. And that's a sum total of how all of our ancestors before us, what was their diet like yeah. and their environment? Like their bodies adapted really well. We talked about that genetic memory, you know, the ancestral DNA yes. and all that stuff. Very interesting stuff. But the end result is, okay, given all of the things I've inherited 
And that's 25% of our entire, you know, that, that right there, him saying 25%, like people, when they say, Oh, it's just my genetics. I'm big bone. I, I'm, I just genetically, I can't do this. No, sorry, but it's not as big of a, a factor as you think it is. It's not 75% of what, of, of how you love, of all that stuff is, is not genetics. It's, it's as little as 25. I mean, maybe even less. Well, and yeah, when we mapped the genetic code of a human, the genome in the 1900 or 1990s, I think it was, we, we discovered that it takes about a hundred thousand different proteins to run a healthy body. And we thought that we had codes for every single one of those proteins, but turns out our DNA codes for about 25,000 of those, which means that 75,000 or 75% of that is stuff that happens that's turned on or off these little switches called epigenetics they happen outside the cell as we interface with our environment and it's the food we eat it's how much we're nurturing yeah yeah how are your parents raising you so yeah i mean is, is your entire family very overweight how were you raised what did you eat uh, were you guys all in a caloric surplus and and yeah absolutely it comes down to did your parents and i don't want to put too much on the parents because a lot of times they were taught a certain way and they were taught the wrong way um, well, it's environmental. You know, if your tap water has arsenic in it, you're yes. going to have lower metabolism rates. Yeah. So what are things that you can control now that you're waking up, you're listening to this podcast, you're maybe getting a genetic test or, or starting to think about your diet in a new way? What are things that you can control? There's 75% of that that you can fix tomorrow that your body will catch up to later. That 25% that you've inherited, really important to dial that in and figure out what's in that that could set you up for success. But a lot of it is really quite achievable. Give us a right. And I want to get your opinion on this question too, but, but I think, I mean, starting point is, is do something about it. You can plan everything out and and never do anything with that, but, but do something about it. Get a genetic test or, or figure out, okay, start trying to track something about your body, set goals, set health goals and, and recognize like, okay, what things, what are the steps I have to do to, to get these health goals, say you want to lose however much weight, or you want to build this much, we want to get to this percent body fat. Honestly, I prefer that to losing weight because a lot of times people lose weight terribly, especially women drives me crazy. Women, if you're eating less than a thousand calories and you are, I mean, 45 or less, like, what are you doing? Sorry. But if you're active and you're eating a thousand calories, it's not enough. Like, yeah, there are certain conditions where it's going to lower your, your metabolic, your BMR quite a bit. But but it rebounds. But for the most yeah, or for it the wreaks most havoc part, on your hormones. Absolutely, your there's so many different things that yeah. that that could that play into that, and it hurts me so much when a girl's like, especially like a twenty something year old girl's like, oh, I eat 1,200 calories a day, and I work out for an hour and a half. Why am I not losing weight? Why am I not losing fat? It just kills me. I'm like, girl, you have starved your body. Your body is in absolute starvation mode where it's going to hold on to everything it has. And, and it's going to store it there and you're not going to be able to build any muscle. It's going to start eating into your muscles because it's like, I'm just trying to do everything I can to survive right now. And you notice this with people and men too, like your testosterone levels are going to lower because you're not getting your body the, the, the food it needs or the, the stimulation where you're, you're lowering, you're increasing cortisol, causing this hormone cascade that is built to keep fat to store instead of burn. Yeah. And so in essence, you're, you're starving your metabolism and bringing your metabolism down because our bodies are so efficient. 
our bodies are, are built to function in different levels. And so if I'm in the my body wants to lower my metabolism. How's, how's it going to lower my metabolism? It's going to burn my lean muscle because the more lean muscle I have, the faster my metabolism is. So it's going to start trying to deload some of this lean body mass that I have. It's expensive. Exactly. It's that. very expensive. It wants to keep the, it wants to decrease the expenses. It wants to become a lean machine. And if you're eating way less, your body's going to create a lean machine and it's not going to be the, the, the look of the lean machine that you want. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty beat up bicycle as opposed to a Corvette or a uh, whatever you want a truck. Yes, uh, and whatever you want, whatever you want to look like. <laughs> cool. Okay, we're kind of coming to the end here. We'll wrap this up, but um, I want you to tell me what was the most recent moment where you felt absolute clarity and like you were in your flow and in purpose. You were doing exactly your big job on the planet. When was the most recent time that you just felt like? I could do this forever and I'd be happy. I mean, I, I don't want to, but, but today, I mean, he, he referred, he had a patient come over and see me and super awesome guy came in. We started talking about certain things and he had this, this complaint that he was talking about. And it, it was one of those moments where I realized that, that all of the training that I had done, that the, the experience I had, cause I knew the pain that he had, cause I've had that pain before. And being able to, to say, okay, this is experience that I have. This is how I got rid of it. And I, I can say that because I've gone through something like that, because I've done what you've done. I've, I've experienced that pain. And I know you've had that same thing with patients where you're like, now that I understand, because I, he's, he's on a pretty, pretty hardcore workout program right now that I, that I wrote him and he'll come back to me. He's like, everything hurts and I'm dying. <laughs> and, and he'll be like, he's like, now I know what, like some of my patients, when they come in, they're just like, oh my gosh, like I can't move my neck. Cause this is just so locked up. And he's like, I come in and I know, I now know what it feels like. I know how painful it is. I can, I can experience that with the patient and understand. Um, and, and then be able to tell him, this is how I got rid of it. This is how I got better. And I think that was one of those moments where it's just like, I, I am at that point where I'm equipped for this. Yeah. I'm equipped for this. Yeah. This is what I was built for. It's the same thing when I, when I talk to people about health. When I talk to people about nutrition, when I talk to people about exercise, it's my flow. I love it. I love it. And then, I mean, I love what I do. I love being a chiropractor. I love, and a, lot, a big shout out to this guy because he's actually one of the guys who taught me the, the technique that I do. Phenomenal. I mean, best adjuster I've ever met. Like, so good. Um, and and being able to go through, and, and we, we definitely have our different styles. Like, I have different things that I focus on. He has different things that he focuses on. And, but that's that's what's good about it is I realized that like my, what my niche is and, and certain things like that. And, and I think you, you have that same kind of realization sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So you run your own practice, you're working out, you're eating constantly. How do you keep balance in your life? All this stuff that we have going on, how do you, how do you make time to keep your main thing, the main thing? Yeah. I mean, prioritize the main thing. That's, that's the biggest things I know when I wake up. Um, and currently, I mean, this is, this is not a normal thing. Like I just, I recently started a, a program because I, I have my certain goals that I'm going for. And so I, I know that when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to eat food because I have to eat before I work out. And a lot of people don't like to eat before they work out, but I have to, or else I just feel garbage. You burn what? 600 calories a night or something. Like, I don't know. I, it's, it's a lot. I, don't know. I, I, I think right now I'm about 
anywhere from 3,500 to 4,000 calories a day um, that, I, that I'm eating to try and to try and maintain certain levels um, and kind of keep myself in a caloric surplus. And, uh, and I, I, there's a whole bunch of different factors that go into that nutrient timing, stuff like that. Eating around the times I'm, I'm most active where my metabolism is the most active, mm-hmm. um, certain eating certain macronutrients more, in, more densely. I mean, carbohydrates for sure, more around those workout periods. Um, just kind of monitor, I mean, and modulate insulin levels, stuff like that. But when it comes down to the end of the day, like, yeah, I've had to give up a couple of things. Like there, there are certain things in my life that I don't spend as much time doing. Like I love skiing. I spent a ton of time skiing over this winter and I would love to be on the mountain every day. But right now between the business, between, I mean, all these different things and my, and my mind just running all the time and wanting to exercise the way and, and reach these different goals that I have. And you're doing a master's in strength. And yeah. I mean, that, that'll be done in, in what, two, two weeks. Which I'm very, very excited to be done with. Um, just I'm sick of being a sitting down at all the, the the dates and the due dates with uh, with all that stuff. Um, but but really, when it when it comes down to it, I mean, it's prioritizing my goals. What are my goals? How can I keep that? I wake up, I eat, I work out, I come back, I go to work. I'm here. I'm going through things. I'm doing things that I love. And that's the thing is I found something that I love. I love what I do. I love adjusting. I love working with these different things. I love brainstorming this right here, being able to talk to my best friend and, and go through stuff like that. And, and then I know, okay, at, at, at night, I'm going to do my second session. I'm going to get my, be able to work out the, the other muscles that I need to work out that day. And for some people, that's, that's totally not plausible. No one wants, I mean, a lot of people don't want to work out twice a day, but for me, it, it works for me. It's something that I, that I can do. Can you, I got to the point I was at by working out once a day. Like it's just recently because I've changed my goals a little bit in certain, certain aspects that I I've, I've modulated that. And so now I, instead of doing like an hour and a half two hour session, usually I'll be in there for an hour, 15 minutes twice a day, because it can allow me a little bit more time to recover. And so I can go really hard in both those sessions. Um, and then when it comes to eating, I mean, eating is really not that hard for, for me. <laughs> Just be He's really good at it. <laughs> just because I've gotten to the point where I know, I know what I'm going to eat. I've, I've simplified my diet to where my body digests it very well. I don't bloat hardly at all because I've figured out what foods my body processes the best. And every once in a while, I'll change those. And I know, okay, I'm just going to meal prep these two meals. I'll be home for this time. I'll be, and so I can, I can still have variety. And, and I know a lot of people say like, well, don't you get so bored of eating the same thing? I mean, I modulate, I change my diet within a certain range all the time, but I don't have to have a thousand ingredients in a meal for me to be happy. That's very plain. Yeah. You give me, you give me a carbohydrate, you give me a fat, you give me a protein. And yeah, of course I'm a sauce guy. I love sauces, but finding good quality sauces or making my own sauces. I don't know if you ever tried to make your own ketchup. Phenomenal. So good. Fire. Fire. Or barbecue sauce. Great. Um, Big vinegar fan. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to come from that. Mustard, certain certain types of mustard are awesome for you. You got turmeric in there. Um, I mean, there's there's so many things you can do and, and spice your food. Salt it, pepper. I mean, use uh, pepper ish. There's certain things I'm, not, I'm 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 researching about pepper that I'm not like super sold on a lot of things. But like, spice your food. Throw some rosemary and thyme in there. Try different flavors, and and but you don't have to have 
all these thousand different things in there, cheesy, creamy, whatever, all these different things. Let's figure out a different way like that, that we can get to our goals by by doing things like that. And also, I mean, find ways that you can keep it fresh. Yeah. And, and quality ingredients, clean Absolutely. sources, all that. And don't look at it when you – I hate the elimination diet phrase just because if you were to give up those creams and cheese I can never, I can never eat this again, really? Yeah. Your diet is what you eat. Yeah. I never – instead you should change it. I never want to eat this. Yeah. And I'm I, here to tell you that a lot of those cravings for just – stuff that wasn't serving me they they drop off after a while and yeah. your body feels so much better like i i ate a, i ate a big cookie from a local company um what on saturday oh my gosh i that destroyed me i felt so terrible because like i really don't eat it that often i don't crave it but i was just like oh it's there like i'll, I'll taste it and yeah like when i was eating it like it was like oh it's okay and then afterwards, it's like, oh, my gosh. My pancreas my, exploded. Yeah, my pancreas is killing me. Like, my body's attacking me. What's going on? I felt bloated. I looked bloated. I, And it, it comes down to, like, and that's where, like, a lot of people who do, like, the refeed days. A lot of times, it, it trains your body to realize, wow, I feel like absolute garbage right now when I eat this this trash. Yeah. And then you're like, I want to eat the, the normal way. I want to eat the 90% way all the time because I feel so much better. I look so much better. Man, Dr. Keller, thank you so much for uh, explaining some of that. Thank you, Dr. Valdez. We've got a lot of uh, fodder for future discussions, I'm sure, out there. If any of this resonated with you guys, it piqued some of your interest, send us an Instagram. Start it with Hey Doc, and then hit us up with your questions. We'd love to hear what you guys are thinking. At Form Chiropractic. Go to Form Fitness and Cairo on Instagram. Um, That's the handle. Go go find that. Form Fitness Cairo. So I'll have the link here below. Oh, perfect. Yeah. But yeah, hit us up there. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we have our, our schedule of uh, episodes kind of planned out. But if we start some discussions and we want to share some of these thoughts, we'd love to have you guys' inputs. And if, and if you, you want to come in, you want to meet, meet with us, get some treatment, something like that. If you want to get started on it, I mean, feel free to, to reach out and, and set up an appointment. I mean, you can, you can find our website below. And we'd love to meet you. We'd love to, to see you and kind of go through that. We'll also be doing some setting up some like health talks and stuff in person. Uh, where we can demonstrate certain things. We'll, we'll film some videos, different things like meal prepping, how to meal prep, simple, easy. Um, also, it is not that it's not that expensive to eat healthy. And anybody who ever tells me, oh, it's so expensive to eat this way, I want you to calculate how much you spend on treats and snacks and going out to eat and all these different things. I want you to calculate that all, pull, put that together. And I want you to compare that to eating a very clean diet. And look at your medical expenses, your prescription Absolutely. drugs, because the, those will go down. The supplements you have to eat, the antacids that you're just pounding down because you have Still. such yeah, <laughs> you have such bad um, heartburn. I mean, let's 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 take all these different factors and and realize that longevity is the goal because you can live for a long time, but can you function for a long time? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Because I would much rather. I mean, you can be 75 years old and function and, and pass away and be happy and like, oh my gosh, like I was able until he's 75 years old, guy was doing pull-ups or whatever he was doing. He was still playing with his grandkids or he lived till 90 and, and those last 15 years of his life were absolute, just he hated it Yeah, because he couldn't do anything. And I mean, hot take. And if, yeah, that, was, that was a good, good way to end it, man.
Um, Dr. Keller has seven years as a personal fitness uh, instructor. He's very... Almost eight. That's right. Almost eight. That's right. Um, so if if you come in and talk to him, just know it comes from a great place of a lot of experience and a lot of compassion. I'm one of the people that's been through that program and he'll, he'll give you the facts and motivate you to do that. But there's no judgment or shaming that comes with that because we're all on this journey together. We're all in different places and we're making progress in our different ways. And this is like we talked physiologically. That's one aspect of your health. Your nervous system health is important. Your psychological health, your family life, all of that stuff, it all works together. And when one improves, the rest of them are going to improve. And you just need to choose which one you're going to focus on this week. Go after those those big goals. Uh, but if there's something that we can help you with there, we'd, we'd love to do that. So I love it. be well, everyone. We will talk to you next week.